Welcome back. In this week's episode, we discuss the collapse of the American empire, sexy summer camp, and how the Democrats just want you to buy an electric car. I'm Luke. And I'm Rody. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast. Hey, Rody, how's it going? How was your weekend? Um, it was good. It was great. Um, I'm alive, so, you know, I can't complain. Uh, that's good. I mean, I could complain, and I actually will. You'll hear all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. Uh, I'm going to complain. <laughs> well, no, I'm not so much complaining as I'm allowing you to partake in my dental journey with me. So oh, you see, you lost I, all your wisdom. No, only half of them. I still have my top wisdom teeth. But you see, I thought I was out of the woods because I got rid of two of my wisdom teeth and they drilled into three of my teeth. They found three root canals. And so they were in the middle of dealing with the dentist was dealing with my last root canal. And for whatever reason, on Tuesday, the dentist was dealing with it. And then after I left the dentist, it started hurting. And so I start taking painkillers, you know, ibuprofen, whatever. By Friday, I'm in excruciating pain, okay? So I go to the dentist, and he prescribes me some more antibiotics and some more painkillers. So the entire Sabbath, I'm sitting there. I, I can't eat out of the right out of the right side of it. Yeah, I think it's, if, I'm, if, if it's my right, my right. So I can't eat out of the right side of my mouth. Um, I feel like garbage because my mouth is on fire. Um you know, that's, it was just terrible. And then I got a cold on, on Sabbath as well. Like I woke up with a cold. So oh, if, if, if it sounds, hear that. yeah, no, I'm having a, I'm, I'm having a pretty rough time of it actually. Like I, I think I've gotten out of the woods and there's something else. Um, yeah, they but say man plan, God laughs. Oh God is, oh God is laughing so hard right now. Oh my God. But yeah, the point is, is that if I sound a little bit, uh, I guess stuffy over the recording, any stuffier than usual, it's because uh, I have this cold. So anyways, we want to continue to discuss thought-provoking issues and having a good time doing so, but we need your help, dear listener. Smash that like button, share it with your friends, and subscribe to the channel. In addition, we are available on the platforms your favorite podcasts are available on. You can reach out to us by sliding into our DMs at the right side of the compass on Instagram or by commenting on the video. Anyways, let's get this show on the road. Let's so, do this. Let's Exactly. Bingo. All right. So let's talk about um, the fall of Washington. Is uh, I want I want this to model the fall of Rome. I kind of want you to get the idea of like how we're talking about this. All right. So the fall of Washington. What does that mean? It means that you know America is in a, is in a very big decline. I think a lot of people are are very hopeful that you know America like after two years of Joe Biden, we're going to vote in all these Republicans into office and we're going to, you know, then we're going to vote in Donald Trump again and he's going to take revenge on all the enemies of America and we're going to go back to being the kings of the universe. But I, I don't know if I'm as, uh, I don't know if I'm as hopeful as uh, y'all are. <clears throat> hope, I mean, I hope you guys are right, the ones that are very positive, but I'm not so sure. And, and that's because I have a background in history. And to have a background in history means to be perpetually a pessimist. That's that's what being because you, you see all the bad that things. Doesn't sound fun. Well, uh, I never said I was a very fun guy. You know, I'm just laughing while the word world burns. But I'm not exactly <laughs> a fun guy. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about Rome because a lot of people. It's it's one of the two historical events that people know about. So it's actually it's kind of interesting to talk about Rome. Um, you know, 
even though because it, it, it's not like unfamiliar to people. So let, let's let's clarify. Rome was the the seat of power for hundreds of years in the ancient world, right? It gave us uh, it gave us some of the most it gave, first of all it gave us the American government. A lot of people falsely credit the American government with the Greek system, but the reality is is that it's much more based on the Roman Republic than it is based on Athenian democracy. And that is because the Roman Republic was actually very good at incorporating the best parts of the different Greek city-state models and putting them together into like a more, I guess, um, into a kind of synergistic way, right? So you got you got the, the, the government comes from Rome, right? You have one of the world's greatest religions, Christianity, comes from Rome. You got some of the greatest philosophers come from Rome. Rome is not, was not like a, a simple thing. And we, and many times we look to Rome to the point where, you know, even throughout history, even after Rome fell, there were always, there was always someone trying to claim the title of Rome. There was always some empire trying to claim the Roman empire, whether it was, you know, the Eastern empire or whether it was the German, German city states. And, you know, in the middle ages, some, someone was always claiming the title to be the Holy Roman empire, the Holy Roman emperor, you know, the, the, the Catholic church claims to be the successor to the Roman empire. Um, the Ottoman so empire. Also. What? What the Ottoman empire? No, that was, that's a little bit different. Um, oh, okay. No, 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 that's, that's just not, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're not, uh, nice try. I'm not the history buff. You are. So you need to study more history, man. It's uh, <laughs> you need to do that. Like, I hated history class. Well, history is actually kind of interesting and, uh, no, it's interesting. And I love learning history, not in a class setting though. <laughs> when I need to take tests and memorize dates, I'm just, you lost me. <laughs> No, I get that. I get that. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's not fun. Um, but anyways, let's talk about th- the thing I like about history is that it's very like if you're it's it's very good for analyzing, but it's also cause and effect. It's very like most history you can kind of see something happening and then you can see the result of it, you know. And it's very like I suppose hindsight is twenty twenty, but that's what makes history interesting, right? It's like a story, right? But it's sometimes what we do in real life is a lot more interesting than anything someone can come up with. But anyways, let's talk about Rome because Rome, like all great civilizations had a, you know, they started out with humble beginnings and they became something really, really great, but all great things come to an end. And why did Rome come to an end? Uh, Why did Rome end? Because they, the other smaller states weren't getting along with each other. Uh, that's not quite what essentially it boils down to three points, right? You've got the damage to the social fabric of Rome and the Roman empire. That was number one. The, the Roman empire became too big, right? And we see this because it it split up initially into the Eastern and Western empires. And then we also see letting the barbarians in through the gates, which is essentially. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that, you know, they have all these different groups that are not necessarily as invested in Rome as the Romans were, right? And uh, I'll, I'll get so like to that in a minute. Less patriotic. Less as, patriotic. As they're more, you have more of these little, you know, groups, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's what you see a lot. It becomes too big, it becomes divided, and it eventually collapses under being a bloated mess. Um, you know, and so let's talk about that. The damage to the social, social fabric. Now, if you're talking about the Romans themselves, the Romans had two major camps. 
right? You had the the pagans, right, who believed in the old ancient uh, Roman gods, uh, like Apollo. No, was Apollo Greek or Roman? I feel like he was. I feel like he was Greek, like Jupiter, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars. You know the the solid victory, <laughs> the planets, right? We we call it right. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not uh, as familiar with the Roman uh, pantheon as I probably should be. Um, <laughs> that means I, I haven't uh, official. That that means I'm not as good at history as I would like to be. Um, but yeah, we, we're talking about the ancient Roman pantheon, um, and then you have Christianity, which was you know, by the time the Roman Empire fell, was already a very very powerful religion, right? So think about it from that perspective, right? You have these two warring factions, right? You got the pagans who want to preserve Rome and its religion and its tradition, its history. And then you've got this new group of people who have this, this synchronetic cult that comes from some preacher in the Middle East. And they have very different views on, in the, on the universe, right? Uh, you have Constantine who converted to Christianity. I don't know if I don't remember it was Constantine, but I remember it was one of the Christian empire, emperors who banned the Colosseum. Now the Colosse, the, the gladiator matches, rather the gladiator matches were a big part of Roman culture, and that's and I don't say this because the gladiators were the reason that the Romans fell, but rather to illustrate a point that you have these two different groups of people that have very different visions for what Rome needs to be, right? And then you have the scale of the empire became unmanageable. That's very obvious to see. It, it became a bloated mess. That's especially in the ancient world. You can't just you can't just have an unlimited empire. Always people always wanted to fashion themselves as rulers of the earth. But the reality is is that you were only as good of a ruler as your bureaucracy allowed you to be, right? And we see that we see throughout history that as empires got bigger, they eventually collapsed. They eventually fell. You had the Babylonians; they fell, and the Persians took over. And then the Persians were the big people, and the Greeks took them over, and the Greeks were conquered by the Romans and the, and the Greeks themselves, they got so big that they had to divide into multiple little empires um, because of, you know, those problems. And there's always someone trying to come up with some neat little trick to figure out how to make an empire work. But the reality is empires fall apart because they're not always on the same page, right? And then letting the barbarians in through the gates. Of course, it's very, you know, we're talking obviously about the Germanic tribes. It was, it was, um, the king of the Visigoths, Audovasser, who deposed the the last Western, or at least, you know, according to tradition, the last Roman emperor in the West, Romulus Augustus, he deposed him. And he became just the ruler of the West. And, and that was really what people think of as like the end of Rome, right? The end of Rome as they knew it in antiquity. And... Um, and the thing about the, the the Germanic tribes is that, you know, they, whatever appreciation they had for Rome as a city, for its history and whatever, they were not Romans. They did not have the respect. They did not have the, uh, I, I, I don't want to say, the reverence for Rome that perhaps the Romans did because it's not their culture. It's not their society. So right? like they let them like immigrate somewhat? As yeah, they, they, they tried to integrate them into part of the society, right? Like there were all sorts of alliances with the Visigoths. But the yeah. reality is, is that if you're going to integrate the Visigoths, you need to integrate them all together, right? And so, but that, that ended up being like their undoing because they allowed the Visigoths to keep their distinct culture while kind of trying to, you know, bring them into the empire. But that never works. Anyways, 
So let's talk about how this relates to America, right? The damage to the social fabric. Now, who are the there, – there's two, I would say, two main rival factions in the United States. Now, you might say it's the Republicans, Democrats. You might say it's the Christians versus the atheists. You might say it's the reasonable people versus the woke left. You might – whatever those two factions are. And I don't even know who those two factions are, to be honest, right? But the reality is there are these two factions. Broadly speaking, there are these two factions that are fighting over America and what America means and – who does America belong to and what does America mean? And th that social fabric you see is, is falling apart, right? When when the city of Rome was destroyed, there were people on both sides of the argument. You had the pagans and you had the Christians. The Christians you know, claimed that the destruction of Rome was caused by the pagans and that it was a punishment from God. And then you had the pagans who said that you know the Christians di uh, disturbed the moral order and uh, they allowed uh, Rome to fall for that reason. And you can try to – you can believe whoever you want to believe. I'm sure that everyone who's listening has their opinion on the – But the point is that there was a divide and that divide was what was the downfall. Yeah, essentially. Everyone, everyone in the Western world is saying right now that diversity is our strength. But I'm not entirely convinced of that. I'm much more of the opinion that unity is our strength. If we're united together, that's, that's where strength comes from. And you'll see that everywhere – Anytime you want to see strength, they typically preach unity. Go to a military. Any competent military teaches unity. We're all in this together. You know, that, that's really what it is. Diversity is, is asking to be divided, right? That's diversify, right? Because you're not, you know, when you diversify your portfolio, you're sending some of your money here. You're sending some of your money there, right? And yeah, you're like, separating. Yeah, exactly. But what, and that may be a good strategy to do if you're dealing with money. But if you're dealing with a society, you kind of want everyone on the same page somewhat. Yeah. I mean, look, it's there. Are, I, obviously, I think there are a few differences, you know, when it comes to America and Rome, um, which I was, you know, thinking about while you were discussing it. Um, but I guess I'll first start off with the diversity thing. Well, I mean, you're right. Um, there, there's good things and bad things with diversity, you know, with diversity, you have different ideas from different places. And but at the same time, because you have different ideas from different places, you know, sometimes those uh, ideology, you know, clashes with one another. So in that sense, then you're right, there is less unity, which like, I want to come like down to like, where, you know, there is some good to not having diversity because then you have that feeling of you know belonging somewhere and having unity right so for example you go to japan right you go to japan everyone is the same right and they and they do have this level of cohesion that you don't have in typical western countries and you'll see it right you in countries where everyone feels like we're we're all the same people they they genuinely believe they're a nation state you'll see a lot more i guess being at ease with strangers you, you, you've, I'm sure you've noticed this. When you're around people that you think are your own, you're much more comfortable. And when you're around people that you think are the other, even if you don't mind being around the other, even if you don't think they're necessarily going to harm you, you're a little bit kind of reserved around them. There's a little bit of skepticism. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, you're not going to be the same chumminess with someone who you think is an other versus someone who you think is a, is like a like an us group, like an in group. Well, we could use the example of, you know, you and me, we're, we're Jewish. And we could use the example of Israel. Like for me, you know, when I was there, there is some form of, you know, I was much more comfortable, you know, just walking up to a random stranger or, 
or I would sometimes, you know, get invited by like, you know, random people like to their houses, you know, like as a guest, or there is some form of, of, you know, unity when you're with, you know, the same type of people as you be, and you feel that comfortable, like, and the difference when I'm here in America, okay, is that, yeah, you know, I, the person might be, you know, nice and respectful, you know, when I'm at the supermarket and groceries, like, oh, like, you know, have a nice day and the customer service, but you don't feel that, you know, you don't, f there's, there's a separation there. Uh, there's a lack of community. Um, and, you know, you're right, um, which is, I find an issue with uh, diversity um, is that there is a feel of, of separation uh, and that you can't express yourself the same way you would with someone who comes from, you know, the same background as you. Right. And so th the thing about American diversity, quote unquote, is we never we never called it diversity until very recently in, in the United States. Um, but the thing is, is that in, in American, like, you're never going to get to a place where everyone is a carbon copy of each other. Right. I, I, I think very few places do that. And I think most and I think like if you go to the places that are the most like carbon copies of each other, they have their other problems. Right. So I'm not saying everyone needs to be the same. But what I mean by unity is that everyone needs to be like kind of with a, with a similar understanding of the universe. Right. So that's why when people say like tolerance and this, that typically they misunderstand the ancient Christian understanding of tolerance. Right. Which was that as long as you believed in the Trinity, you were considered uh, you know, Christian, and you were to be tolerated in the United States by people who believed in the Trinity. Um, now, I don't have a problem with evolving standards of tolerance, but it needs to be based on something. You can't just tolerate anything, right? Okay. Right? What do you mean by that? It means that if you want to expand the definition of tolerance, which I'm totally okay with, right, it still needs to be based on a similar, a similar enough understanding of the universe, right? So, for example, let's say let's say you're in the 1800s, right? And you want to expand the definition of American tolerance, right? Okay. Well, what's the new standard going to be? How's it going to? How is? How are you going to incorporate the old standard into a new standard? Are you going to say that anyone who believes in the Hebrew God is uh, is deserves uh, tolerance? Are you going to say anyone who believes in one God? Anyone who believes in, in a Western religion? What's a Western religion? Like you, you need to answer these questions. You can't just include everyone, right? And that's what I think a lot of the West is doing. They're, they're, they're kind of swinging the other way. They're saying, oh, anyone deserves tolerance regardless of, you know, who they are and what they believe, right? So, yeah, there's that. Um... But then you, you also have the scale of the empire became unmanageable, right? Let's get to, to get to the next thing. America has become very big, right? And I'm not just talking about the continental United States. I mean, that is big. That is 100% true. Like the, 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 the big country of the United States is kind of big. But if you include the, like the satellite states of the United States, things like NATO, the EU, uh, yeah, the all those West, things. The Western culture, essentially. Right. And Western kind of or American dominance, right? In in the culture, both soft power and hard power. It has become a bit bloated, wouldn't you say? And it's being demonstrated by what's going on in Ukraine, right? The whole problem with Ukraine is that the Russians are sick and tired of NATO and the EU coming too close to the Eastern Bloc, which I'm not a supporter of the Eastern Bloc, not saying I like the Eastern Bloc. Don't don't say I'm supporting Russia, because I'm not, right? I don't like Putin, but I will say this. Um, 
not everyone wants to be free. And maybe, you know, a more sensible America would realize, hey, we should probably stop at Italy and leave the Eastern Bloc to the, the Ruskies, right? But that's not what happened. We, we kind of kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And now the Russians are saying, like, no, we're not going to do that. And now they want to team up with China. And, and now they now want they're to... having enough and they're pushing back. Exactly. Bingo. And, and uh, we see this. Uh, you showed me this video by Ray Dalio. Or by this guy who watched the video by Ray Dalio, because it was much shorter and I don't have the patience. Yeah, so I sent you a video from Graham Stephan, who was talking about another video that Ray Dalio um, was talking, uh, was saying about the reserve currencies and how, you know, America is still the reserve currency of the world, but that is uh, slowly on a decline um, because of China. Right. So, so that that's very interesting because, you know, you see that um, the, if the Americans had said, you know what, we're going to just be the reserve currency, maybe we're going to have our sphere of influence be like here, Western Europe, maybe, you know, the Monroe Doctrine. You, you know what the Monroe Doctrine is, right? Uh, remind me. It's when the Americans said, I believe it was uh, James Monroe who said that everything in the Western Hemisphere is American affairs. Anyone from the Eastern Hemisphere who comes to interfere in the Western Hemisphere um, is going to be repelled violently because it is not their sphere. The Americans are the, you know, um, America, you know, um, that's exactly bingo. America. You got it. <laughs> I love that song, America. Um, yeah, but the, but the United States has uh, dominance in the Western Hemisphere, and that's the policy position in the United States up until today, by the way. People don't talk about this, but there's a reason why. The Europeans don't go down south. There's a reason why no one is bothered to come, and that is because the Americans will defend the Western Hemisphere tooth and nail. Uh, so, yeah, so there's that. Um, but the reality is is that the American empire is getting too big, and other people are saying, like, oh, you could chip away at it, right? You could chip away at it. Well, I mean, the, I think the one the differences between, you know, the Roman Empire and, and American empire essentially um is that technology and because we have technology and communication is easier than ever it makes it, it makes for for the size of this empire much easier to to um to sustain because instead of waiting a few days for a messenger to come and you know tell you the news about you know you know this town or that state or 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 this you know issue or that issue you know you just send a text or you just send an email and so there's a lot it's much easier to to control the the massive uh, you know the the size of of the empire that America grew into. Right. But I will say that the, the underlying issues with things becoming too big are ultimately that people don't get along. That's ultimately the issue, right? It is unmanageable, right? But it's unmanageable for many reasons. Things become too big, different people to have different goals. And if you try to expand into different spheres of influence, you're going to get toppled. Right. I mean, that's what happened with the British Empire. They, you know, they gave all their states independence because they didn't want to, you know, bother with them anymore. Right. And so, you know, you laugh at Britain because they retreated to an island the size of Michigan. But the reality is, is that they're doing OK. Right. They're doing OK. I think I think uh, 
I think you would agree with that assessment. They're doing fine. They still have their monarchy. They're still pretty stable. You know, and perhaps they're going to walk away from this whole cultural phenomenon in a much, I guess, healthier way. Maybe they'll survive more. Maybe they'll have more of their traditions. Um, and there's a reason for that, and that's because they knew when to stop. Uh, I think the Americans are going to have a very rude awakening if they don't if they don't give up. That's what I'm saying. And letting the barbarians in through the gates, right? So we have to talk about two different things, right? The, the Romans had to deal with the Visigoths. They had to deal with all these Germanic tribes. Um, who, who are the Americans letting in? Well, first of all, it's very obvious from the South. They're letting in all these South Americans come in through the border, right? And that's, that's one. And, and you might say, well, they're not really barbarians. They're not cave people. And I never said they're cave people, but you know, they don't care about the, you know, the American experiment. They're here for the free jobs. They're here for the easy money. They're here for, um, a little bit more freedom, which fair enough. Right. But the reality is, is that they're not they're not being vetted to see if they're concerned about, you know, American culture, American way of life. Many of them don't even speak English properly. Right? Because culture does have value. And the reason why countries have borders is because different countries have different values and ideology. And you want to make sure that those separations are made clear. But if you just have open borders and letting everyone in, which with different ideologies and different cultures and, you know, then that culture and ideology is going to get corrupted and then, you know, it just collapses. Exactly. Bingo. You got it. Um, but we also have another problem, right? Which is Islam. Islam is a big problem in the United States. Um, they're the actual barbarians. Um, and obviously individual Muslims, they can be very, very nice people. Don't get me wrong. Um, this has nothing to do with any individual Muslim. It has to do with Islam as, as an ideology. Uh, it's very obvious to anyone who, who has paid any attention to Islam as a religion, um, knows that Islam is not exactly, uh, a progressive force through society. It's been, it made a little bit of progress in the Arabian Peninsula when it first started, but to be fair, you know, like you can only really go up from like pagan Arabs. So it wasn't, you know, that wasn't very surprising. Um, but once it kind of did what it was supposed to do in, in pagan Arabia, it really has become a retrograde force in, in society, especially over the past, I don't know, I want to say 100 years, 200 years. It's, it's, it's not exactly, you know, a forward thinking force. Um, just to give you an idea of where we're at, in the, in the olden days, we used to, the Marines, the Marines are called the Leathernecks. And the reason they're called the Leathernecks is because they would fight the Berber pirates who were Muslims and the Muslim pirates would go for the necks. Therefore, they gave them leather armor on their necks to protect them from the swords of these Muslim pirates. That's super interesting. <laughs> uh, that's why you got to learn history, my friend. That's why you have to study history. But now right. we're, but now we, we tolerate Islam in America with no problems. Now we have uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib in Congress, right? And there, And there's a reason for that. It's because... You know, American Americans have gotten weak. And ultimately, a lot of these problems come from the idea that, you know, we, we have lost our way, right? Um, I mean, think about it this way, right? I was reading a lot of the, the later prophets, right? So you talked about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And there's something very, very, very interesting that you'll see, right? You'll see at the beginning, like Joshua, Judges, yeah, the people fell, the people were not doing their job, but for the most part, they believed in what they were doing, they believed in their society, and so when they screwed up, God was sent a prophet saying like, oh, you know, 
um, this is a problem, you need to fix this problem, otherwise your enemies are going to invade you, whatever. But eventually they repented, and then there was a leader who came and saved them. But as time went on, you know, that wasn't good enough because it's, it's, it's very easy to pass on the physical structure of tradition, but it's very hard to pass on the emotional aspect of it, right? How many people in the United States know how powerful the 4th of July is? How many people understand that? Um, probably not many. Why? What do you mean by like so powerful? I mean, I guess I, including myself don't understand that. So what do you mean by that? I mean that the, the, the concept of fighting against an empire and fighting for your rights as a citizen, right? And think about how powerful the United States is as a concept. It was the first country in the world founded on an idea that all men are created equal and that you know, they are endowed with them, endowed in them, the, I forget the exact language, but they're endowed in them by their creator certain inalienable rights, um, including which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? And that you have the right to, you know, no taxation without representation, certain ideas. And those those were the foundation of America. It wasn't, you know, any ethnic kind of thing. There were all sorts of people here from different ethnicities. And we've become an ethnic melting pot, but we have ideas. We have an, a kind of civic religion, right? And that religion is liberty, right? That you – that the government supposed to represent you, that your government supposed to serve you. you. You don't serve your government, right? It was a – we fought against a mercantilist empire. And people don't quite understand how powerful it is. That's why like maybe on the 4th of July, you know, the more patriotic Americans will go kind of – do a barbecue, go to the beach, and some less patriotic Americans will talk about how Americans stole the land from the indigenous people, whatever that means. Um, but no one really quite understands how powerful these ideas are, and, and very few people kind of get it. Um, and so you see this also in the olden days. Like, the yeah, they, they went to the, to the, the, the Israelites went to the temple. They gave their sacrifices. But it didn't matter because they didn't understand the true uh, the true meaning of these these rituals, right? They didn't understand it. Their social fabric was destroyed. The outside looked good, but the inside was destroyed. Think about America nowadays, right? We have a president. We have we go through all the rituals. We we appoint the president. We 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 do this. We do that. But think about how crazy it was that there was a that there was that there was a doubt in people's minds about the twenty twenty election, right? Contrasted with 2000, where there was a small doubt in, in, in election in Florida, and they spent days dealing with it, counting it, sitting there and recounting and recounting. And think about in 2020, there was half the country thought that the election, there was something crazy about the election. There were, there were, there were all these things. And we didn't take democracy seriously as a concept. We took democracy as a, as a ritual we go through. Okay, so we every four years we pick the president and we do this and this is what happens. And okay, so you have a problem. Okay, who cares this is a problem? Who cares if, if no one believes that, uh, that, uh, that Joe Biden won the presidency? Who cares? We're doing this to, as, a, as a ceremony, but we all know Joe Biden needs to be the president. We're, we're doing this to placate the gods of democracy. As if the gods of democracy are real things and they want you to, you know, go vote, but they don't want you to think about what you're voting and what the procedures are and they don't want you to understand anything, right? Think about how corrupt our elite classes. Think about how corrupt the elite class were in Rome, right? The reason why they deposed Nero, you know who Nero is, he was one of the emperors in Rome. He like, he appointed his horse to be in the Senate 
and he like he just like spent all day being a, a degenerate. That, that reminds me of someone, doesn't it? Certain, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, the son of Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, being a degenerate. Right. That's that's correct. Right. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm reminded of, of, of these people when I think about America and I think about these things and listen, I don't know if America is going to fall. I don't know if America is going to stop being a world power. Like the video, uh, that Graham Stephan said, who knows? History is a weird thing. You know, you never, you never know what's going to happen, but it is important to point these things out because, you know, when, when the prophets came to the ancient Israelites and they said, you know, repent or else Jerusalem's going to be sacked, right? And you're going to be sent into exile and ancient Judah is going to be destroyed, right? The people thought, oh, you know, nothing bad can happen to us. We're the Israelites. The temple's right there. Uh, no, you can't, you can't save yourself from your own sins. You can't save yourself from that. The only way to save yourself from d- moral decay is to uplift yourself. But people find that very difficult. And so we're going to see what happens if the Americans don't repent and don't become more serious people. We're going to see. If in 2022, the Democrats decide to put in more, you know, they decide to put their people in again, we're going to see what's going to happen if America keeps on, keeps on going on in this way. I don't know. I don't want America to fall. I like American values, but, um, you know. Seems like that's the direction it's going. Well, it's very hard to stop a downward spiral. Anyone who's watched a friend uh, kind of fall into the dumpster for whatever reason knows that it's very hard to stop a downward spiral. You have to be aware that it's happening, and you have to want it to stop, and you have to have the values that allow it to stop. And it doesn't look like that's going on. Anyways, speaking of downward spirals into moral moral degeneracy... (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a segue. Um... We're going to talk about something that I don't think I'm supposed to talk about. I think because I looked it up, I'm probably on some FBI watch list <laughs> or or worse, knowing America, I'm probably not on some FBI watch list, which is even more concerning uh, than, than, you know, at least if I was on some FBI watch list, it means that they're doing their jobs over at the FBI as it's disturbing like, oh, as you a- came across this article. You're one of us now. So yeah. Oh yeah. You're, 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 yeah. So let's, let's. You'll understand why when we talk about the topic about this moral degeneracy. So um, I have a question for you, uh, Rody. I have a question for you. What is so sexy about sexy summer camp? Um, well, if you didn't give me a description and just gave me the title of that itself, um, I would probably be very, I mean, I, you know, it would sound pretty sexy to me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Some things just don't need to be sexy. Like, not everything needs a sexy Halloween costume version of itself. I know the internet made a rule that says everything needs to have a sexy version of it, that everything needs to be turned into a porn. But uh, we don't need to live in that world. We can, we can have a world where some things are not made sexy. And one of those things I feel is summer camp when you go as a kid and, you know, yeah, at no, the most. if it's for kids, then, like, you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> right, which is, which is precisely the problem with this camp. That was literally called Sexy Summer Camp that uh, we were we were informed of on Twitter by a man named Christopher Rufo, who apparently is kind of this, uh, you know, uh, how do I say whistleblower, I guess. And you see these people, these these very, very unattractive women, very, very overweight, the type of people who you're shocked 
have ever had sex. And it's not just because they're fat, right? You know, I'm sure you've met fat ladies who are married and they have like a nice, beautiful family. Maybe they're like on the short side and they look like they're, they could be a really, really great abuela, right? Or something like that. Um, but we're talking about these people who, who look like the human version of a venereal disease. They look like, their like hair is a different color and stuff like that. They look like herpes had a child and sent that child down to earth. Oh my God. <laughs> I know I'm terrible, but these people are teaching these kids about masturbation, BDSM, sex while on drugs, and other things that children are not supposed to be learning. What, what are the age of these children, Rody? Well, how old were these children that were being taught these things? Um, I don't know. Okay, so let's go over this because I want to uh, go over this article, right? So um, this is the article. I got this from the Post Millennial, right? Sexy summer camp led by which teaches – led by which, comma, it's not in the title, the comma – uh, teaches children to masturbate, promotes sex work. The camp featured classes like Sex With Me, Self-Pleasure Workshop, which teaches participants how to make the most out of their masturbation experience and featured hands-on practice on a person's hands. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. These people need Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I bet it was hands-on. Anyways, uh, so I bet it was oh hands-on. <laughs> oh, God. Um, a virtual summer camp aimed at People of all ages in the rural Appalachia region of the eastern U.S. has been revealed to have taught people, including children, about masturbation, gender diversity, self-managed like, abortion. Don't they learn this stuff in like health class? So why make a camp out of it? Also, what makes this camp? If it's online, it's not camp. Camp, you go like somewhere and you live in the woods, right? This is not camp. This is just a seminar. This is just class how and everything. Long is, yeah, how long is each class? I don't know. Whatever, but... They, they, including children about masturbation, gender diversity, self-managed abortions, that's a new one, and more over the summer of 2021. So this happened last summer. The Sexy Summer Camp put on by Sexy Sex Ed. Nothing sexy about sex ed. If you've ever been to a normal sex ed class, there's nothing sexy about sex ed. It's like all about cells and shit. Like there's nothing, there's nothing sexy about sex ed. Was held in July and August of late last year on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That means that people tuned in to like virtual class about these degenerate topics, right? Sexy Sex Ed puts on workshops that they say compels teenagers and people of all ages to openly discuss personal and political consent. What is political consent, Rody? What the hell does that mean? Um, not parental consent, but probably government consent. What does that or, mean? What does that I don't mean? know. Exactly. That's, it. That's, that's an interesting word. Keep an eye out for that one. See if we ever see that again. Uh, sexual safety and anatomy. Use, using visual and performance art, open dialogue, and popular education methods, sexy sex ed fills a vital gap in reproductive education as a creative, cultural healing solution in rural Appalachia. Yes, because I'm sure those rural Appalachian people were like, you know, we don't have Enough child grooming. We don't have that in, in Appalachia. We need more of that. Screenshots of the 2021 summer camp were posted to Twitter featuring classes like Sex With Me, Self-Pleasure Workshop, which teaches participants how to make the most out of their masturbation experience and featured hands-on practice, which they clarified would be literally on a person's hands, which, oh God, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> to risk a lurid image. Um, 
Another session was simply titled Sex on Drugs and said that participants would explore the nuances of engaging in sexual activity while using licit and illicit drugs. Oh, that's great. He's great. Okay, so, uh, Rody, did you open up the article? I want you to look at the women who are... uh, are, Yeah, yeah, uh, I see, I see. Okay, so these women, they they really don't look like they've had too much sexual experience because I can't see anyone having sex with them. Like, I really Uh can't. All right, I mean, um, would you have um, sex with them, Rody? Would you have? No. Okay, there we but go. Ma- but I guess people with not very high standards would. Oh, are you implying that I would sleep? Because I have very low standards, and I would not even sleep with these women. These are the type of women that you would sooner put hot nails under your fingernails before you spend the night with them. I don't know, hot nail. I mean, hot nails under your fingernails. To- I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far because that's pretty painful. Okay, so well, regardless, um, but these women are the the human embodiment of uh, syphilis. Uh, anyways, so we're gonna go see the next tweet by Christopher Rufo. Here's the agenda for the camp. I'll be doing a more extensive report in the coming weeks, and so you see uh, all these little different classes. Are you looking at this? You got gender diversity. Take it out relationship. Oh, talk it out. Sorry, I can't see. This is a very small print from my computer. <laughs> It says here, like, being a sex worker, isn't that illegal in almost all states? It's not well, illegal oh, no, in well, Nevada. Sorry, sex worker is also, like, online. It's not just in person. No, no, no. So you don't understand. If you go to a person and you say, here's 50 bucks to have sex with me, that's illegal. But if you say to a person, here's 50 bucks to have sex with me, let's record it, that's just pornography. That's legal. That's, true. that's just, you know. So you, you don't you, you don't understand, Rody. There's there's nuances here, okay? There's nuances. Get get with the times, man. <laughs> get with the times. Yeah. So that that was a uh, listen. If you if you hate humanity, this is not going to help you with that. The summer camp featured a number of presenters, including trans activist Oliver Hall, who said they fe- feel passionately about the spaces for gender euphoria in daily life, as well as specifically through sex, BDSM, and kink. What is gender euphoria? I don't know what gender euphoria is. Uh, I guess being, I guess being happy with the gender you choose. Jesus Christ! Another presenter, Kirstine Uten, said she has a passion for fat and disability liberation. I have no idea what that means. I love how they always think that fat is a is like a community and not just like you know, being lazy and eating too much. The founder of Sexy Sex Ed was revealed to be Tanya Turner, who said she was raised in rural Kentucky by a host of witchy women in a coven like Mountain Matriarchy. Oh, I bet you were. Video posted to Twitter by journalist Christopher Rufo revealed Turner saying that she recommends teaching masturbation to people at a very young age. That's how we should, you know, like get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all ages. All ages, as soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Kids touch themselves. Kids start to ask questions, and we teach them the language for their bodies, right? Turner said. Oh, my God. Ugh. I want to throw up. Anyways, so, so this article goes on for, like, another couple of paragraphs. Um, but that's eh, – listen, this is obviously degeneracy. Everyone is kind of this, – this, this story broke out towards the beginning of the week. So no one uh, – no one really like said anything that I think I disagree with. However, I will point this out, and this needs to be pointed out. I feel kind of gross thinking about this. I remember there was a time when I was a teenager, and I thought, you know, like sex would be awesome. 
right? Sex is going to be really cool. I can't wait to have sex, right? These people somehow make sex the least sexy thing on the planet. Well, because I think I think it comes down to this. Like, oh, well, you know, you can be supportive of sex and other things, but don't go like shoving it down people's throats. You know what it is? I was thinking about it today, actually. This is this is what it is. You remember in Mean Girls when Regina George was having sex with that, you know, teenager, not the not the love interest of uh, Lindsay Lohan, the other one who she uses to make uh, Lindsay Lohan's love interest jealous. Remember that guy? Yeah. Okay, so they're having sex, and uh, Leslie Nope from uh, Parks and Rec walks in. That's the lady who plays uh, Regina George's mom, and uh, she walks in and says, "Hey guys, you know." She, she's trying to be like the cool mom. She's like, hey, do you guys need anything? You guys need any snacks? You guys need any condoms? And I remember Regina George, she's like, get out of here, mom, right? And it's kind of like when authority figures try to make sex cool and they try to like, I guess, de-taboo it, it becomes not cool. Yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's the difference between you liking a girl and walking up to her and your mom saying, hey, you know what? I have a great girl for you, right? It's the difference between those two things. It's kind of like if you find the girl, there's a certain element of like, oh, it's kind of cool, you know, because I, I met this girl, whatever. When you're when your mom brings you a girl or like your mom knows someone, it's kind of like you roll your eyes. God, I like, hate it when that happens. Because because you, you, your mom may as well be saying like, yeah, this girl is um, not really for you because we're going to really like her. And that's, you know, and <laughs> that's, uh, that's not fun. You kind of almost don't want your parents to like them. Cause you know, I mean, yes and no. I mean, no, obviously I mean, like you do, but I'm, I'm just saying like, there's a certain element of like, if your parents introduce you to the girl, it's kind of kind of lame. Like there, there's a certain element of lame to this. And I guess that's what, what this is, you know, they, they are trying to kind of make sex kind of boring so that, I don't know, like, this is very boring. In addition to the grooming, in addition to the how messed up it is that they're, they're, they're teaching sex to kids, they're making it boring. They're making it, like, even the most demented things that, like, you know, people think are, like, kind of edgy, they're, they're trying to make it so that you're not interested in it anymore. And that's what this kind of is. Um, so there, there's nothing sexy about sexy summer camp. Um, yeah. So, A I don't band know. band camp? No, Bandcamp is very. <laughs> ban, don't get me started on Bandcamp. That is that is that is a veritable. That is a, you. You can't even talk about it because you know Bandcamp's for kids. But you know when I was a kid, American Pie that was great. Anyways, <laughs> so let's talk about other inappropriate things that authority figures are telling us, right? So, um, you remember? You know how like the gas prices are getting higher. I I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't notice that gas prices are getting higher. Yeah, the gas prices. Yeah, the gas prices are are getting pretty high. Yeah, well, they're getting as high as Elon Musk on the Joe Rogan Experience. That's how high they're getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so in recognition of the gas prices getting very high, our our esteemed leaders are telling us that we should all just buy Teslas. Rody, why did I think of that? Why did I think of just to buy a Tesla? I'm so, um, I don't know. I feel like such an idiot now. Jesus, no wonder they're in charge and I'm doing a podcast. Because I didn't, in my stupid podcast brain, I didn't realize 
oh, if gas prices are going up, I should just buy a Tesla. If I'm working for $30,000 a year and I don't have money to afford the gas prices that you guys are hiking up because you're stealing all my money from me by inflating the currency so I have nothing to show for it, right? I should just buy buy a Tesla with $60,000. Yeah, we should buy a a car we can't afford. Exactly, and hike up our electric bill. And hike hike up up our our electric bill, yeah. Yeah, well, anyways, so let's, let's, you know, I feel like we're in the French Revolution, and uh, Pete Buttigieg is standing there from a balcony, and he's saying, let them buy electric cars. <laughs> sir, the, sir, the peasants are complaining that the gas prices are too... Let them buy... <laughs> let them buy electric cars. <laughs> Anyways, if you get that reference, um, I don't think you do. I don't. <laughs> yeah, so there's a... There, you know the, the queen... You know the, the king of uh, France got executed in uh, the French Revolution. The monarchy was abolished. Yeah. Very violently, I might add. Yeah. Um... And so the queen at the time, her name was Marie Antoinette. And in a kind of apocryphal story, she when when she was told that the peasants had nothing to eat, like they had no bread, she said, let them eat cake. And that was considered like a, a very like out of touch statement for the royalty to make. Like they don't have cake, right? Because they're, you know, they're the peasants. They're peasants, yeah. exactly. You know, so, you know, th- that's what Pete Buttigieg telling us to buy an electric car is like. Anyways, yeah. so. So the gas prices are rising, and it's being blamed on Putin, because we need a bad guy. And Putin is very obviously that bad guy, despite the fact that gas prices have been going up ever since Trump left office, almost immediately after Trump left office. Yeah, but just not at such a fast rate. Okay, but it's not like, it's not like $3 a gallon is any better than like, it's $3 a gallon, $4 a gallon is still very bad. It's not $7 a gallon. Yes, but you shouldn't get to the point where gas becomes $4 a gallon because then anything can exacerbate it to seven, right? Um, okay, so whatever. They're blaming it on Putin. Okay, whatever. You know, the, the, the establishment's going to establish. Well, I okay. do know that Russian gas is 13% of U.S. import of, uh, of gas. So because of the war, I mean... Yeah, it will definitely affect uh, gas prices. Okay, but th- but here's the problem, Rody. The I'm going to give a rough estimate here. I know that gas is Russian gas is 13% of US consumption. Russian if I if I were to make a, a projection here, I would say that Russian gas, if I were the president of the United States, Russian gas would be approximately between 0% and 0% of US gas. You know what would be 100% of U.S. gas? U.S. gas. That would be 100% of U.S. gas, right? So that's what – 100% of U.S. gas should come from America, maybe through Canada, maybe through Canada. I mean Canada is actually one of the largest. Right, but America also has some resources. and But even then, getting our resources from Canada is not the same as getting them from Russia, okay? It's not the same. It's very obviously. Anyways, so Colbert on his show, because, you know, Stephen Colbert, man of the people, um, said that he doesn't care about the gas prices because he drives a Tesla. He's willing to fight Putin. He's willing to pay $4, $5 a gallon because, you know, he's not paying $4, $5 a gallon because he drives a Tesla. You pleb. You, You pleb. Anyways, 
So, and then, like I said before, Pete Buttigieg tells Americans to buy an electric car with the money the government is stealing from them. Because unlike, uh, you know, progressive taxes, income taxes, property taxes, which are taxes on people with resources, inflation is a tax on people without resources. This is one of the reasons, by the way, why poor people tend to have very bad monetary habits. And that is because the, the government tends to inflate their currency. So any poor person who makes the wise decision to put some money away knows that his money is not going to be worth anything, especially if the government's printing money, right? His money is not yeah. going to be – your money is worth more now than it will be in the future. And if you and if you want to live in a country with any sort of staying power, you don't want people to think that. You want people to think that if they put their money in a savings account, it will be worth more when they take it out. I mean also – I mean I think because there's also tax incentives given – to people that buy electric vehicles. But but so. again, you're talking about people who may not have money to buy electric vehicles. You're right, but you can also finance the vehicles also. Most people who buy cars um, usually, I mean, a lot of people, a lot more people lease cars nowadays. Um, so they're already paying a monthly fee. And also a lot of people will finance the car. They won't buy it all in one shot. I do not know how people, some people buy cars. Some people buy like a $2,000 car off a used lot. Some people do not have the money to finance a car. Because remember, to finance a car, you need to have a certain amount of income each month, right? How much does it cost to lease a car each month? You know, how much does it cost um, to lease a Tesla? Average, I mean, the lower end is two to 300, maybe 300 at this point. What, a Tesla? To are, we're talking about leasing a, a regular. I'm talking about leasing a regular car. Not okay, but remember, you're leasing a Tesla because they want us to buy electric cars now. So no, Tesla would probably be more. Right. So you'd have to have whatever amount of money each month to blow on a car. A lot. Like we 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 lived in a very affluent neighborhood, but remember, there are people who like when their first car comes, it's a car off the used lot that they can use for many years. That's my. That was my first car. I didn't get a brand new uh, Mercedes Benz. I got a two when I when I was in when I was in school, right in the United States. This was like in 2013. I got a 2002 Acura, right Acura whatever it was. Right. Now now when the Acura came out, it was a very nice car, and for a starter car, it was a really nice car. I'm not complaining, but my parents didn't spend a whole lot of money on it. Like they spend like even even used cars um, are now going through the roof also, Um, but even even though yeah electric cars are more expensive, you could be end up saving money you know in other aspects like like you know like yeah with gases and also with maintenance. But it but you're right you can't afford it in the first place, so it doesn't really matter. But you can't afford it in the first place. And remember, you have to charge the car. So unless you leave your car at a place where you could charge it for free, remember, like you have at to home, char- essentially. But then your electric bill goes up. So you haven't saved anything. You just you well, are. I don't paying- know. I don't know the the difference. I don't know how much more it's charging you compared to the gas you would be spending on a car like per month. Right. I don't but, know the difference between the two. Right. But then you're also, you also have to remember that if let's say everyone decides to get an electric car, right? Where does the electricity come from? Yeah, it comes from a power plant. Right. And what do they use to generate that power? They're not generating it on unicorn farts, right? 
Um, no, no like, unfortunately, seriously. no, no, exactly. no unicorn farts. Right. So, so that as much so, as I would want. Right. So, okay. So then, let's think this through. They're not doing nuclear because the the climate industry wants us to use solar or wind energy, whatever. So we're not using nuclear, right? And we solar don't have and nuclear and, fusion yet. Nuclear so. fission would be fine. It's very like very easy to maintain. It's like no, yeah, I'm saying not, we don't have. I'm saying fusion. Nuclear fusion, we don't have yet. Right, but even but nuclear fission is also really good. Like it's still way better, better for the environment than uh, coal or wind or whatever. Wind is actually pretty bad for the environment. Um, it causes people headaches. It kills birds. Um, it doesn't work all the time. Uh, nuclear would solve a lot of problems, even if it was fission, right? But that we're not going in that direction, right? And we can't use solar or wind because that stuff doesn't work. That's like more individual and it's kind of location based. Um, so the answer would be we'd have to use fossil fuels. But if there's more demand on electricity because everyone is using electricity to power their cars now, you're just shifting the bill from the gas pump to the electric plug. You're not really – because and now there's more demand, so it costs more. The finances don't work here. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have like a math or calculator or a piece of paper on me. It's not about the math really or the calculator because the these are all theoretical numbers. We can't calculate a theoretical, right? I'm just pointing out that as the demand for electric, if let's say they did what we wanted them to, they let's say we, we, we did what they wanted us to do. We all bought electric cars, right? The amount of energy we need would go up and therefore the price would go up because the demand is up. Those are the rules of economics. I don't make the rules. You don't make the rules? I wish I did. What do you think? I, if I made the rules, do you think I would allow Joe Biden to be the president? No. And there we go. See there now. Now we're we're thinking with our big brain and not with our little brain. Anyways, so um, even Elon Musk is saying we need more local energy production. You saw that tweet by Elon Musk. He said like, uh, what did he say? He said like we need to ramp up uh, gas and oil production in the United States to counter the Russians. Right. Everyone's talking yeah. about what we can do to end the war. And everyone's saying, like, we need to go. We need to do this. We need to sanction. We need to do this. We need to, we need to stop the Russians from looking at porn. Right. The one thing that would stop the Russians instantly, the Biden administration is not willing to do. Right. So, like, I don't want to go into Ukraine. Right. But I would be willing to start up American gas production and oil production to stop the Russians to kind of take the wind out of their sails. I'd be very happy to do that. And there's no reason we can't except for our president is – I don't even know why. Um, I don't even know what because the reason maybe he's looking at it this way. Like what's more threatening, Putin or the possible climate change that could be caused by ramping up more oil production? Like if you're trying to step – if you're trying to get rid of oil production um, because of you know climate change, then you – you don't want to, even if, you know, even if there's a war, you know, between Russia and Ukraine, you don't want to, you don't want to go back on progress because of a little setback from another country. Right. But from what I understand, American gas is like cleaner than Russian gas anyways, uh, probably because we have a higher standard, probably because we, we produce in a more clean and, and sustainable way. Um, but also like, Whatever, who cares? We're using electricity. We're using this fuel source. We have to use it. There's no option. We need to make ourselves poor because of the sun god. I, I, sorry, you're gonna have to miss me with that. Um, right? 
And the and the thing is, is that Elon Musk, by the way, everyone, uh, the Biden administration is telling everyone to buy an electric car, but they're 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 snubbing Elon Musk. Did you see that article I sent you about uh, how they keep yeah, on snubbing Tesla and Elon Musk? They're talking about General Motors and Ford, but they never talk about Tesla, you know, because Elon Musk is is the bad based uh, weed smoking man from the internet. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, the Biden administration is refusing to ramp up oil production in the United States, which would solve a lot of problems. But again, the, the I think the primary reason they're not doing it is because then people say, oh, Trump was right. And Biden can't be seen agreeing with his predecessor because on day one, Biden shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. Day one. That's true. Day one. So if he goes back, it'll be like, yeah, you know, there was no reason to switch. We didn't need to switch parties. We didn't need to switch presidents. It's just now Biden is not tweeting like an idiot, but uh, I, I like a mean tweet. Every, I, I like my $1.75 gas with a mean tweet. You know, I'll take that. And if there was ever a time to eat the rich, that time is now. I don't know. Uh, listen, a lot of conservatives, they spent the last 10 years defending billionaires and defending the rich and defending the wealthy. And I understand where they're coming from because, you know, the, our enemies were the socialists and they were they were doing this. The reality is, is that we have a different, like, I don't have a problem with, with the billionaire class existing. I have a problem with them forgetting which side of their, which side of the bread their, which side their bread is buttered on. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of the elite selling us out to China. I'm sick and tired of the elite telling us, oh, just buy the expensive thing. Just consume the product. And when you're done consuming this product, we have another product for you. Because they look at the short term and they're greedy instead of the long term. Um, which is another reason why the U.S. is on the decline, because countries like Japan and South Korea and all these other countries, you know, always look at the long term. They don't look at the short term and why they are getting ahead. So it's the same reason, because the rich here are short sighted and greedy. Exactly. And and listen, when when we do eventually rise up against our oligarch class, by the way, no one is talking about this. What is the difference between a Russian oligarch and an American billionaire? Nothing. I don't know. Nothing. Just how you spell it. No, no real difference. Bill Gates is our uh, Roman, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roman Abramowitz, Abramovich. We have a, we have a, a bunch of uh, oligarchs here in the United States. Guys like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. Uh, you know, we got these people and they're, they're dictating public policy and they function outside the law. Um, and they tell us things like, just buy, why don't you just buy an electric car? I don't understand a single mother of two. Why don't you just, why don't you just take the money that you were going to spend on food and rent to just live in a, in a Tesla? You know, you know, why don't you just stay indoors? Thank you. I didn't think of that. Why, why don't you just stay indoors and, and just work from home um, at your service job? Yeah, I'm we're doing all this, that. I'm, we're all in the same boat together. And we're all in the same boat. Just stay in your little dinky apartment and I'll stay in my big mansion with my swimming pool. We, we're all in this together. We have to stay at home. It could save lives. Don't you understand? Gosh. Ugh. It's so, Ugh. It's so frustrating when the plebs don't understand. <laughs> and so eventually we, the plebs, are going to rise up against these people and there will be mass carnage. People will literally be eating Jeff Bezos because they will have nothing to eat. Because Jeff Bezos will have stolen our jobs, sold us out to China. He, not just Jeff Bezos, all of them. Right, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, right? I don't know. I'm kind of in. The, I, I'm kind of down for some, you know, rich people stew. I kind of like the idea of that. I, I'm down to eat the rich now. I'm cool. All right. 
Yeah, sounds so. sounds good. Well, you want to join me in that? Let's let's eat the rich. Thanks Come for on. the invite. <laughs> no, I think we should. I, I no, honestly, I think we should eat the rich. I don't know. I'm kind of uh, kind right. of sick and tired of them. And uh, with that, um, all right, that's our show. Please smash that like button, share the video with our friends, and subscribe to our channel. We are also available on your favorite podcast platforms. You can reach out to us by DMing us at the right side of the compass on Instagram or by commenting on the vi- on our videos. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to you joining us next time. <laughs>